Maybe today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80, it's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 This is episode 22 of the Break 80 Podcast. Stouds is here, back. The band is back together this week. I'm back for vacation, joined by Tim and Mike. How are we, gentlemen, this evening? We're surviving, coming off our big defeat at Lesueur, which we'll talk about. Uh, we're hanging in there. We're hanging in there, aren't we, Tim? I think uh, I think this is actually Break 80, episode question mark. Uh, the boys and the legend of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> the crystal what what does that even mean tim oh well we'll hop back but uh we're going to memphis we're going to memphis oh, okay God. okay sometimes yeah sometimes we we need tim to explain himself a little bit there but <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll talk about the uh the old travel situation down to the bass pro there and a, a little bit of conspiracy oh my theory. god bass pro shop yeah <laughs> well i have to say that a lot has transpired over the week for us um not only do we have an intense week of golf matchups that we'll get to but our podcast has gained quite a few more listeners, and for that, obviously, we're very grateful. We welcome those new listeners that have, have joined us and hope that we can bring you some form of mindless entertainment. Um, but for those not aware, Frankie from 4Play Pod gave us a shout-out on their podcast last week, and it actually propelled us all the way up to dang near 10, top 10 in the country, which was wild. I think we got to like 11. Yeah, shout-out. You Frankie. can use a cuss word. Yeah, you, you can, can use a password. You can swear, Jeff. Damn, That's legal. I'm the, clean, I'm the clean one of this pod, guys. I always oh, make sure. I always make, good. I always make sure I click the explicit button on uh, on the <laughs> when I'm making this podcast. So I mean, that was wild. We got up to you know basically tenth in the country, in the, and that'd be the golf podcast space. But uh, we just want to welcome those new listeners, and then if you're an OG of the Break Eighty podcast, we love you and thank you for listening. As always, just three guys that love golf, and we're just going to give you the best uh, best content that we we think we can give you. So welcome everybody that's new. And for those that, that uh, have always joined, but um, as far as agenda goes, I'll, I'll just kind of cover that. We, we are, we're going to touch on our week. We've, we, like we said, we, we played quite a bit of golf and we had some, uh, some fun, some fun matchups. Uh, we took a trip down to the sewer. We'll talk about, we are going to talk. How do you, you know, as three golfers that are sub five handicaps, how do you become better? How do you get that next level? How you know we're going to debate that a little bit and how, you know, or maybe it's just more consistent. I guess that's where you know struggle like myself. How can we maintain consistency? How do you know that you're better? That's another question that we can kind of cover. We'll preview Mike and Tim's trip. They're going to be taking a, a trip down south. They're going to be chasing heat down in the AZ. Oh south. yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what their kind of plans are for that, and then uh, we'll get to the PGA Tour stuff at the very end. I think uh, it's pretty fascinating that Tom Kim, I think he pulled an absolute alpha move, quadruple bogeying the first hole just to just to give everybody spot, everybody four shots, and then said, "Okay, now I'm going to play," and, and ends up winning by five. So we'll talk about that till then, and then we start our FedEx playoffs. So that's kind of what Tim was alluding to as we head to Memphis this week. So with that being said. 
match play. Let's talk about it a little bit, especially the best ball match play. So we are both involved in the Twin Cities Golf Match Play event. And for those that are not from Minnesota, all it means is we are part of this, this group of people that, you know, through over a two-week period, we have to contact another twosome and we play against them in a bracket-like form. And it is best ball. There's no strokes. Everybody is combined 12 handicap or lower. Um, and you just kind of meet up. You play, You pick a course. Mike's going to probably be pretty heated about the course that you play. But I have a notion here of how this, this tournament can get better. I'm going to get real. This is, keep going. Though. Let's keep going. Well, it, 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 and that's kind of where we're at. Like the best ball matchup, like we're not, you know, match play is, is, you know, a different beast in, in general when you're playing against one other person, but you throw in the the best ball. And now you're looking at, you know, when you play your own ball, you're also in a way having to be self-conscious about what everybody else is doing. Not, not just the person that's your partner, but you also have to be aware of what the other two are, have done off the tee or, you know, shots that they've hit. So there is a little bit of strategy involved, and it's uh, something that I think our group, our, our, you know, us three enjoy enjoy playing. Uh, I would say match play far superior to stroke play in terms of fun because you, you know, you can screw up royally a lot, a lot early in the round anyway, and it really doesn't matter, especially in a four ball because if your partner's got your back, you know, you can really ham and egg it. Uh, and be just fine, you know, where a stroke play, if you come out and make a a quad or something early, the whole round is like screw and you're just pissy and shitty. And unless, you're let, unless you make an albatross like Jeff did at Lassure, we'll, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Or you shoot the wrong green. Yeah. So, oh my God. <laughs> so, okay. I got to tell you this story. This is of all the things that transpired in the in last week in golf. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest, <laughs> slash stupidest, slash I don't even know what to call it. Uh, was it was Tim, right there. It was the right Shamrock, there. and for the listeners who have played Shamrock, it's not the hardest golf course in the world. Um, but it was what we get a tea time on, and our match is all square through fifteen holes. It was a great match. Good dudes, we played. Uh, we're on hole sixteen. No, we were on eleven. This is early. Yeah, no, we were, on, we were on eleven. Yeah, we were cut, making the turn. I think we were. We had just. I think you. We, we both birdied 10 or you birdied 10. Just real quick. Anyway, it doesn't Tim matter. And Mike are partners, just so, just so the audience knows Mike and Tim are partners in this. Yeah. We're partners in the twin cities match play and uh, we're on hole 11 and it's a tight match. It's all square. And Tim hit his tee shot in the water. I hit mine in the, in the fairway. So we're fine, but Tim's dropping and I'm not, I'm just, I'm not even paying attention. I'm drinking a beer and like looking on my phone and whatever. Next thing I look up, and Tim is aiming at the wrong green. And I, I was going to say something. I was going to stop him, but he's about to swing. And I'm like, fuck it, let him hit it. And then he hit it. And he, and he goes, that's not that bad or whatever. He's a little bit left. Again. I said, Tim, that's the wrong fucking green. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> so there's these two holes that go like side by side. And he hit it to the 16th green instead of the 11th green. So, so Tim, was that a dip? Was that a ball in pocket? Was playing just... the hole. Some lady was playing the hole. So he's going to walk <laughs> up there and get his ball as she's like putting. You know what? I She wasn't up there yet. There was no one on the green. Uh, they were listeners. They were right next to each other. I mean, they had to be 30 yards apart. Maybe 20, maybe 20 yards. They were real close. No, they weren't. They were very people, close together. Most people just follow the fairway to the green. That's kind of the, the yellow brick road to, <laughs> where the wizard is, Tim. Oh, my gosh. It, 
to be to be fair, I'd had a couple Budweisers. Uh, <laughs> it was a hot day. Yeah. Well, it was yeah. like uh, it was like open open championship like conditions at Shamrock. You hit it in the rough, and it was like hitting it on tar. And then it was windy. All right, Mike. Let's hear about your heroics. We we got to hear how this match ended. Is tight match. How did oh, it end? heroics? Well, I don't know. We. I mean, it was. I think, did I birdie? Did I birdie fifteen? I don't feel like then... there's a lot of heroics. I mean, I, I did birdie seventeen and eighteen to shoot like sixty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> I did have seven birdies, but uh, no, I birdied. Uh, we were all square at the sixteen, and I, I kept telling Tim, you know, cause I've played a ton of match play events, like a ton, and uh, I kept telling Tim they finally rolled in a long putt on like what was that hold? Maybe that was on ten, Tim. I can't remember. They hold. They they rolled in one long putt for Birdie to beat us, and I was I kept saying all match like somebody's gonna make a long putt, and they did. We hadn't made shit really for long putts, and uh, finally on seventeen I made like a 25, 30 footer for Birdie to win the hole to go one up. Well, then we get to eighteen t, and we're one up. But the st- stupid thing about this match play, and I don't want to rip it too much because it is fun, but is if you tie, you don't go to extra holes. You do a scorecard playoff. So we're sitting there on the 18 tee box, figuring out where the playoff would be if we lost this hole, if we were tied. So we go like four holes down the scar and we, and we lost the fourth tiebreaker hole. So now we have to at least tie the 18th hole. Otherwise we lose. We don't go to a playoff. And um, on 18, they birdied. They made, one of the guys made like a 10 or 12 footer birdie. So I had a six footer for birdie. You know, which which in the past in our little three man games, I've missed every fucking time. And I walked it in on him, walked it in for the win. So we so we're moving on. Yep. So you guys have now made it to the you guys won the constellation side. Is that what you guys won? Yeah, we did. We had a rough first match. We did not play well, really. But that's right. So now so now you're still kind of there's one more round, I believe. And is that right? Yeah, we're yeah, still alive. We're winners we're, now. Yeah, we're still we're, alive. We're, we're playing winners. somebody. I don't know. Okay, so fun. We and then uh, for my end, I have a partner named Eric, and I also had a match this week, and we have not lost yet. I don't know how, because if you take his handicap and my handicap and you add them, we're basically right at the cutoff. Of, I know how. And I'll, I'll introduce you. We're almost on the B team. He's <laughs> I like know a, how. And I'm like a three something, and we are almost literally in the B side. But for whatever reason, and it's not, you know. Part of it is how the guys play too, you know, your, your opponents play, but you know, when it comes to match play, I feel like handicaps kind of narrow. I mean, you've got two of you, hopefully, you know, Eric and I often have one of us basically out of the hole while the other one's putting for birdie, you know, and it's kind of worked out that way. And Eric played really well um, this last week and kept us in it. But um, I don't know. It's, you know, when you, when you think of the match play, it's, you're a little bit more freed up knowing that your ball is not the only thing that matters and you've got a partner that you can rely on. Um, I think obviously like anything putting, it comes down to some, some putts made because you know, you, 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 I think even in our match, like we had a, a couple of, they missed a couple, like three or four or five footers that wrap around three sixties. And, and we had a couple of that instead of wrapping out wrapped in, you know, just a little a matter. And that's, you know, when you win a hole, that's, that's pretty valuable. Jeez, don't play YouTube. You're not even giving away three footers over there. Uh, I wouldn't say three. That's a little bit aggressive. <laughs> we'll get to we'll get to your two fucking. Yeah, no, no, no. Short, it, short it was definitely longer than, and we played some awesome dudes too, and so we had we had a we had a great time. But yeah, we won, so now we're also in the. Uh, I guess we haven't lost yet. So what is what is that called? The 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 ship. Yeah, you gotta. So I think you might have a week off this next round, and then you play. I don't know how it works right now because we coming through the consolation thing. 
have to play somebody that's lost one. I don't know, lost once. And if you haven't lost it, you might have a buy or something. I don't even know how that all works. I don't know. But so this kind of brings up the next topic that Mike likes to talk about. Let's talk about the course that you pick, the course that you play, and how much does that matter? Okay. Listeners, I want you to close your eyes for a second <laughs> and imagine how many NCAA basketball tournaments would Duke win if they could play every game at Cameron Indoor Stadium or if or if the Minnesota Vikings could play every single game at home in a stadium with the crowd roaring, you know, on the on your home course, because Jeff's team. Has played the, the Green Bay Packers outside. Of course. Not like Tim and I. We're road warriors, baby. We travel wherever we, we want to go. Tim and I have played one match in the South Metro, one match in the Northwest Metro, and one match in the Met- right in the heart of the Metro. We go anywhere. Our next one could be in Iowa. Who knows? Oh, God, <laughs> I like that. Who knows where we go? We go anywhere. Anywhere there's a golf course. Have clubs, we'll travel. Like, I, I think that's, you know, I think that's how we get an advantage. We make the boys pack up and take an yeah. hour and 45. And the, we'll friendly con- the-, the friendly confines of Wild Marsh. The friendly confines of Wild Marsh. To the west side of the city, so I'm going to be playing a west course. I'm not driving an hour and a half to play. Now, we just, an hour and a half? Hour you, have, half you, you only have to drive a mile and a half. Not an oh, hour okay. and a half, a mile true. and a half. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, but if the other guys agree to it, what else am I supposed to do? Yeah. The other guys need to check the damn gym and figure out where he'll play from. I'm taking this. If we if we play the Twin City guy, we might play the guys that run this thing in the next round. We're not sure. I'm bringing this up. We're going to make some improvements to this thing for next year. Jeff's going to go, uh, Wild Marsh, where's that? <laughs> never heard of it. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Well, the thing is, too, though, it, it I and I get it. Like, I understand what you're saying. Like, I know the course. I know where to hit it. The, the problem is I still have to hit the shot. And that's kind of what, what it comes down to. And for the most part, what you see is what you need to hit, but you're right. There's certain T T balls that you have to take a certain sight line on. And, you know, especially on that backside, there's a couple of, of tougher tee shots, but in reality, for the most part, what you see is what you get on a lot of courses. Unless I think Lesseur was a great case of you really need, and we'll get to that too. Cause we had a, we had a, um, member again, Jeff's Jeff's a, Jeff's a massive home court. He just has a home court advantage guy, Tim. I did. I will. I will give Jeff this though. I, I think if you go to your same home course enough, you get some PTSD on certain tee shots, Absolutely. and then you just you end up visualizing the negativity a little bit more. So there's the green reading, the speeds, all of that, absolutely in Jeff's favor. But yeah. some of the PTSD on some of those those tee boxes. I think I watched him. Put, I watched him over overdrive one of the uh, the old white stakes. Should have been red. Many yeah. people should say white steak shouldn't <laughs> exist. Um, yeah, I think for, yeah, putting, just course knowledge, I think a big one is knowing lines off the tee. But it not maybe as important in four ball like we're playing. If it was straight one-on-one match play, huge advantage you know when you have a partner there where you could like we could like tim and i at shamrock which we've both played one time in our lives i think can sit there and at least talk about you know where to hit it you can read each other's putts and four ball stuff like that so um not as distinctive an advantage an advantage probably still but if it was straight one-on-one match it'd be a massive advantage to be on your home course huge yeah and like even knowing like you know when this pin is in this spot of the green like you know, this is not a good spot to miss. And, and you know, 
And that's kind of what leads us into, I guess, our, our next topic is when we headed down to the sewer, the pod headed down a couple days back, um, my, myself, these two guys. And then we played with a member, Jordan. We took on Tim and Mike. And before we kind of mm. get into that, I want to talk a little bit about the course because I would consider it unique. Um, for those of you that aren't from Minnesota or maybe are that haven't played it, picture a course that you know, has elevation changes. Uh, majority of tee shots have a dog leg or a blind tee shot involved, very tree line. So you're looking at trees on both sides, smaller greens. Uh, you could have some punishing misses around the greens, depending on where you miss. Um, and I, you know, if you can kind of visualize what that looks like, you need to heavily rely on somebody to feel comfortable hitting a shot. I mean, I think, you know, Tim and I can, can kind of both agree that you know, getting comfortable at a course like that, where it's just like every shot you have to like kind of figure out what you're actually doing because it doesn't, it's not just open in front of your face. Well, better, better than North Oaks because they bought enough land. Oh my God. Have OB <laughs> I don't know if it's uh, better than North Oaks, but no, I, I would, I would give it Jeff's right though. Tree lined. I thought it was fair though. I, if you got into the trees, there was a punch out. There wasn't fescue everywhere. Yeah. You're not going to um, lose. You're not going to lose a ton of balls there. No, no. I mean, I think Lesur was great. My game was the sewer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we could get to the results if you guys want to talk about that. Oh not. man, uh, it, we can't yeah, say. I think I will say this about it. I I played there in the pro am, in like a month ago or so in the pro am, and in the pro am we played different tea. It's a unique tea set up there. The black tees are like par seventy. And the blue tees are par 72, but the black tees, the course rating rates are harder because the par, it makes it like a long par three instead of a par four and stuff like that. So it's kind of unique, but um, there are, I've played both sets of tees in the pro-am and then we played the black tees. Well, we did a combo. We played the bl black and the blues so we could play a par five and a par four, but there's a few holes where it makes a huge difference. But I think for sure, uh, course knowledge, big there. But if would, you're going to go down- I would down, say our, our match- our match play against him played a big difference on those two holes. Yeah, huge. We'll talk about that in a second. But I think oh. if you're listening and you never played Lesur, it's semi-private. You can get you can get a tee time. Um, you know, it's worth and it's worth it. It's worth the drive down. It's kind of down by Mankato. It's a good golf course. I've yeah. enjoyed both rounds I've played there. I will say all the information that I got from my partner, he also provided all of you as well. I was gonna, I I was gonna bring was, that up. He was pretty friendly about that, most of that stuff. Yeah, he's not just saying whispering to me what to do. I mean, he's basically saying this is what you do on the hole. Yeah, uh, our our five and four drubbing was not was not due to lack of course knowledge. <laughs> it, was due to, it was due to us hitting a lot of shitty shots. So many, so many trees. <laughs> God, I, I'm gonna be cast as the Lorax. <laughs> yeah, like. So I, I have to kind of bring this up because this is the wild, like this is the wildest round I've ever played. Like it was. You know, when you're playing a new course, like you obviously want to play well because it's something new, it's something fresh. And I know Tim can kind of attest to this. We did not start off very hot. I mean, there <laughs> were some <laughs> some interesting shots. I had a hard time out of the trees a few times. And when you start, uh, I think I started par, double, double, triple. I'm kind of wondering and second guessing, like, why did I even come down to the sewer? But remember, I did talk about I'm having uh, this epiphany of having a better attitude when I golf. <laughs> trying to maintain a better attitude, enjoy the experience. And I end up hitting a really good tee shot that I just kind of patted myself on the back. And I, and I said, you know what, that was a good swing. We're going to build off of that one swing. And so as a par five, I hit a really good tee shot. 
I'm in play. I get to actually hit a normal second shot for once. Um, and we put one right on the stick and uh, we made a two on a par five. And and then uh, the rest was history. You should you should just read your whole scorecard if you have it there in front of you. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can probably memorize it. I had it on the cart. Uh, it was Jeff was seven over through four holes, and then made it and then made a two uh, and made an albatross to get back to four over. And after that played like even part of the whole rest of the well, no, yeah. Birdies and bogeys. You had six pars for 18 holes and shot like four over. <laughs> Wild. I mean, and I had, I think I had 27. I mean, so the, the putter was working. I felt good about my shorter irons and I had kind of like, you know, like I said, I've been struggling. I'm just, I think some of it is just the mindset you, you take with you and you don't tense up as much. You're just trying to play and hit a swing. And you guys have always kind of given me crap about that, but. In, in theory, it is true, but you still have to put a swing on it. I mean, you still have to get the club in the right spot. You still have to make the right move. You still have to, you know, be able to execute your shots. So, you know, that's part of it too. But, I mean, that all that kind of leads into what we talk about. Like, how do we get to be that next level? I feel like I've kind of, last summer, got to a level that I have not gotten to this summer as far as my own game goes. I can't – I think I got in the ones – from a handicap perspective. Now I'm in the threes and I high threes. And it's like, I don't even feel like I'm playing that well, but you know, we talk about handicap system quite a bit. I play That's enough, I enough scores in there that it just kind of stays put. It doesn't really do much moving, but you know, how do you get to a more consistent player? Mike, you're a plus handicap, right? Don't play as much golf as Tim and I, but seem to always be able to beat us. Um, well, Yes. Not today. But not today. Not today. Not today with uh uh I want everybody to know that I took probably enough ad advil to tranquilize a horse. <laughs> if there was uh if there if I had any Vicodin on me, I would have taken it to try to play. It was a rough day when the ball I was trying to hit shots that I just can't, couldn't physically do. But anyway, yes, Tim BB and Pat. I got beat by most people today. Um I think first of all the handicap system i've i've ragged on the handicap system a few times it gives you a little bit of a false sense of how good you are because yeah i think i'm like currently i don't even know plus 1.4 or something but i shot 75 at lasur you know i don't like the a lot of your rounds when you go, don't the handicap system isn't a necessarily a true measure of of what you shoot all the time it's your what's your ability to shoot is what you could shoot on any given day um you know and your bad rounds if you golf a decent amount uh are never going to count anyway so it's like yeah so i don't know i hover between like a zero and a one plus point one point something but i don't know i some the guy we were playing in their match asked me that like how do you get to a plus handicap and stay there and i i sat there for a second and i was like I don't know. And then his partner goes, you seem like a guy that really just doesn't give a shit. If you're, I'm like, yeah, that's probably right. I don't give a shit, whatever. I just show up and play. You know, like I'm not, it's not my profession. I'm, you know, I've been, uh, I'm a freaking teacher, which is a whole nother story for, you know, for professions to be in as Jeff is. But um, I don't know. I just think I, it's a good, it's a good talking point for the podcast because as a coach, Jeff and I coach, we tell kids, I always tell kids, you know, other sports, let's say football, basketball, whatever. There's a certain level of athleticism you have to have to be competitive. 
And I think we tell people that in golf, well, if you just practice, you know, anybody, any, anybody can get really good. And I don't know if that's the case. I, I, I don't know. I think being a better athlete really helps, but I think, I, I don't know. It's, I think it's so much mental, a lot of mental stuff. Well, every, so, every, every, plat, every plateaus, it's like, let's say you're somebody that shoots 106. Okay, getting breaking a hundred would be easy with a little bit of practice, and then probably from a hundred to ninety, breaking ninety would probably be fairly quickly doable if you practiced enough. And then from there, it scales down and it gets you know it gets harder and harder. Well, that's why we have the break eighty podcast because you know for a lot of people, breaking eighty is a really big achievement. You know, if you break eighty, you are a well, well, well above average golfer. Um, and I think from that point on, it's even harder. You know, it's it 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 gets to a point where it becomes very difficult to see a lot of improvement um, in this game, and for whatever reason. But I don't know. Well, it's so it's a lot like your aspirin intake, right? It's diminishing returns <laughs> as, as you go up. Uh, but my background is, is similar. I started at what 13, 14 years old, and I was 110, 120. And over the course of the next two and a half years, I got it to usually a consistent mid eighties and then down in the high seventies, it just Iowa dog tracks, not very good. But as Jeff has gone through the last couple of years as well, um, I've stepped back tees because of Mike uh, and, and Chris, who was on the podcast a couple episodes earlier. If you haven't listened, take a step back, look for Chris. He's the tailor made rep that talked about fittings can help you break through a little bit. Can't say it's, it's not the technology because it, it certainly does help. Um, but there's certainly diminishing returns and, and practice doesn't always come out the same once you start to get to a very elite level. You know, how do you take four strokes off of a, a 3.1 handicap? It's it gets to be a lot more difficult. Um, and I think it's more course knowledge, more uh, headspace and even better management, um, because, I mean, let's bring Lasur up. I had no business hitting as many trees as I did. All you have to do is hit a little bit lower punch shot and I shoot five, six strokes lower. Yeah. I kept saying, what are you doing? Why is it? <laughs> I, kept, I, I kept, don't know what I'm doing. Shot going so high. What club do you have? <laughs> yeah, well, it just kept launching. The grass was so, so thick in that rock. It was just, it was so, so much more than, uh, than shamrock that, uh, they were just, they were really coming up high. So, uh, that being said, I, it's, you know, it, it can be taken a step back. I've found that I play my best golf after watching good swings. And I don't know what it is, but it's, uh, this is back from college. I was a kinesiology major in biomechanics. And there's an idea that you will learn 10 to 15% of a skill based off solely watching an expert do it. So if, if you watch pros play, if, if you, honestly, if you pick up a game controller, and watch swings on uh, a video game, um, you will tend to come out and your biomechanics will be a little bit better uh, based solely off of what you've seen if they're at that expert level. So there's a little bit of that tie-in. It can also be immersion into the game that helps that too. You think a little bit more strategically when you're surrounded by content, but becoming a little bit of a content expert can help in, in getting you to that elite level. That's all I got. Because yeah, it's not about putting. It's not, yeah. it's not about putting. I'll you know, talk it, about that in a second after Jeff. <laughs> I think, I think you, know, you get to a point where, at least where I'm at, it's like 
do I, do I kind of think of mentally just, you know, maintaining, is that, is that good at this point of where I'm at? Or is there another level that I can get to, you know, it's like, you got to kind of be realistic in terms of, you know, I've been playing a lot of golf. I've hit a lot of swings, you know, and at, at some point that next level of getting, you know, as scratch as people would say, scratch is maybe not just in my cards. You know, I, I practice a ton. I'm not going to be going to, I don't have the time to just go see somebody four times a week. That's just not going to happen. Um, so, you know, maybe in my head, I have to think of maybe I'm just more fo- more focused on maintaining where I'm at and being, a, and being okay with being a three to a five handicap. And, and, you know, that's pretty good in terms of, you know, a golfer in the world. Right. But at the same time, we all love playing even better. I and mean, that's, that's, the, that's, and that's kind of where I had had this year. I have, I've had this thing where I've had higher expectations for myself and I have not met them. So then what does golf turn into? Like you're, you're constantly going to play. You're not thinking you're playing as good as you should be. And what does that do? It leads you to a, a negative experience, right? You're just not having as much fun as you want to, because you can't get to that next gear. And therefore now golf is kind of looked as a um, mood alter in a negative way. And instead of actually fulfilling and, and being outside and being with your buddies and you know, talking about a shot that you hit or a putt that you missed or whatever it might be, which in reality, that's probably what it should be. Well, here mean, comes, uh, oh, go ahead, Mike. Well, I just think a little bit of it depends on what your ultimate goal is too. Like we're all old men now, you know, we're not like some 18, 20 year old kids that are trying to be, you know, winning MGA amateur events where we're just trying to play good as best we can. I think, um, so yeah, I think I think Jeff, my advice would be just give less fucks. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, like, that's what I'm doing a hundred percent. Like I think, uh, I think everybody that's out there, you can obviously. I think anybody that plays wants to hit good shots and wants to get better. But if it's not a big tournament or anything, like who cares? Like, like we talked about at Lasseur, where I think I most of the time when I play, I'm pretty laid back. I don't. I hit a bad shot here and there. I don't really care, but it's usually a like compounding of a bunch of bad shots all day where you get to a boiling point and you're just like, fucking come on. What are you doing? Like Lassure wedges or driver at the quarry or whatever, you know, it's, it's not like one bad shot where it's like, I think for most people, if you're, if you're not like a pro, you know, none of us are, you shouldn't get pissed about a bad shot. Like really, really pissed and like just wreck, like, you're not good enough to get pissed about a bad, bad shot. Now, if you had a whole bunch of them in a row, okay, that's maybe one thing. But, like, I just think there's so many people that are so – you're out there to have fun, have a good time, and um, and and play, and you would be amazed at how much better people would be if they were just a little more relaxed. And I, I would say the other thing – we'll get to Tim's putting in a second – is I, I think with golf, maybe not necessarily full swing unless it really needs a lot of work, but – do not be afraid to try some different stuff, like especially putting. Man, I've tried every putting grip known to man, and I'm still don't not do ready. it, folks. Don't try. I've, Tim tried it today, and it was. A, I'm gonna I'm gonna get him into trying something else. Tim Tim complains about his putting every single round, yet has never tried to fix any of it. <laughs> but um, but like, sometimes you know it's wrong. Sometimes <laughs> you just know the alternatives wrong. Yeah. So today, okay, let's talk about this for a second, Tim. We were on that one hole. Tell you, I I said he putted one putt. He, he, we had a progression. I'll put this on my Instagram here on my uh, short-sighted Instagram. He did normal grip, what he's been doing for his whole life, which he complains about every round as being terrible. 
And then uh, I said, oh, let's try left hand low. He did that. Then we went to the pencil grip, and he putted it the one like halfway. And what did you say? <laughs> I think I went, Mike, you ever have a finger in your butt? <laughs> <laughs> you just know it's wrong. You just, <laughs> you know that you're not going to like it. So why even bother trying? I can't even remember how I, re- I mean, responded. Um, <laughs> comfortability is a big part. Overly of positive. <laughs> I feel like everybody needs to like feel like it's comfortable. I mean, that's that's part of it. That's if you're if you're doing something that's not comfortable and yeah. You know, I, so we, taking I, taking taking one step back to the the, the swing talk, the thoughts. I uh, t- before our celebrity um, outing as caddies at uh, the 3M. I actually caddied at the uh, the John Deere Classic. Some would say the best tournament <laughs> on the PGA. Um, but Nota Begay was the pro. And one guy, I was carrying a staff bag, one John Deere rep, no idea what his name was. He was just flipping shit the entire round about a swing, about everything, about course conditions, about how hard it was, about it being tree-lined, this, that, and the other. And, and Nota told him to his face, he goes, you you don't play well enough to be mad. Exactly. And I so, think that, that being said, there's an old sales montage too. It, the happiest that you're going to be is with the shortest memory, right? So if, if you can just overcome what's going on, keep a positive attitude, understand that we're not pros, this isn't our, our livelihood. Um, sometimes the putting grip doesn't matter. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, know, mean, I, and I think time. I think another thing too is um, people get so stuck in their ways. Like if we're talking about getting your handicap done, you got to post a score, obviously, to get it down there. You know, you might have somebody that's like sitting on the tee box or like fourteen holes in, and they've hit nothing but cuts or fades or slices all around. Then you t- you you say, "Hey, you going to play the cut on this one?" Now I hit a draw. Well, not today. You're not hitting that. To, that that's not what you're doing today. And why are you still you, at some point you got to go with how the day feels if you're trying to shoot a better score. And, you know, it's like because nobody most people aren't good enough like the pros are to hit all these shots on command. Just go with what's working. And part of it is like courses you play. Like if you play a course all the time and you know the course, if you're playing, for example, a, a, a very high sloped course all the time and you're having to be more precise and you know your your handicap will probably do a better job of traveling if you're playing a very wide open course where there's not penalty off the tee where you can basically hit it anywhere you're gonna have a harder time playing at your handicap going to somewhere where it's tighter it's just that's just how it's going to be so i think that's a part of it too like you know how are you getting your handicap what course are you playing to get to that handicap and that's like where a place like albion ridge is if i'm playing that a lot i can hit it anywhere now the greens are very tricky but I'm going to be probably hitting a lot of greens because I can basically hit it anywhere I want off the tee. Whereas, you know, you play tree-lined courses and there's out of bounds and there's water hazards everywhere. Like Shamrock. Yeah. You're going to like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, that's where, you know, that's where it also too, you know, you, you you've got boys to become men. I'll be realistic yeah. with how you got to your handicap and I'll be the first to admit I, you know, I will say wild marsh isn't the easiest of courses. I mean, it can be challenging in its own ways, but, but really, you know, if you're it, the, the course you play has a big impact of where your handicap goes to. All I know is Tim and I were just, we were a, just a picture of consistency at Shamrock. Nothing but fairways and greens, nothing but fairways but, and but greens. But then you took the smokes, smokes to Lasseur and it was, uh, you oh. know, we, we kind of, you might, I, I don't know. How do you beat that? You had, you had an albatross, an eagle and like four birdies. There's, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, and uh, a couple things here. First of all, shout out to that Jordan like, from LeSueur. Jordan like pumped it, by Rwanda. the way. Jordan hit the shit out of the golf ball. He did. Man, I, I kept, man, I, I tell you what, Jordan made me rethink my entire life <laughs> about, about how I need to, I'm 40 years old. This is the, this is the off season this winter where I get back in shape. Well, that and my back being fucked up right now. This is the off season where I get back in shape, get a little pop back in the golf swing next year. Because Jordan oh, hit miles by me. For the listeners, Mike is looking for a chiropractor to both sponsor the show and to help him. <laughs> yes, and help me add the uh, 15 yards I've lost the last couple of years in my golf swing. He's also uh, looking for a fitness membership. <laughs> all those things all wrapped into one. Uh, well, let's see. But this goes back a little home course, a little home cooking. I think what happened is Tim and I, we made a few errors in strategy. We bought our beers to start. Then we it was <laughs> we ran then we then we ran out of beer. Even when we ran out of beer, the match was even until we ran out of beers in our cart. Then, we by the time the, smoke, the smokes didn't work either. Smokes didn't work. Now, so, you know, like, we, didn't, we didn't have the right balance. You got the right balance. That's Mike. That's what we need. We need a third vice. We need a third. Yeah, we need a third vice. <laughs> you got it. I think so. Uh, I think so because you know Tim and I aren't used to losing this in this cart. We're not used to losing, so we're just, we're taking this hard. But uh, uh, please, please jump in our DMs and suggest a third vice. Yeah, we need something. And then we, and then at the turn, we got some more booze in us, and boom, we birdied ten right away. Took we cut, <laughs> cut right back, cut right back into the lead. But then it wasn't enough because they made all kinds of freaking. Wait, did we did we birdie ten or did I just part ten to win? Uh, I rolled in the rock. All the oh, listeners, yeah, you did. all listeners, all listeners who want who voted on Jeff's Instagram, what they wanted to see, they want to see my putting. Didn't realize that I'm that I'm playing more break these days. <laughs> I'm playing more break these days and rolling putts in. Yeah, so no, I, you guys, there's, there's really not. You guys kicked the shit out of us. There's no, there's no excuses. We got pumped. We got just pumped. Five and four is ugly. That's like Stephen Ames territory. All right, as we transition back to uh, what we have come up this week, we've got Mike and I are actually playing a course that is. I'm not sure when was it built, Mike. It's the White Bear Yacht Club, Donald Ross design. Uh, one of the older clubs in the state of Minnesota. Golfers Journal is just there, the big, big event. Um, so Mike and I are going to play a couple of guys out there. That's Wednesday. So check out some, you know, we'll probably put some content of that out. Let's see. Hang on for you. The White Bear Yacht Club is what? 1912. 1912. Ooh, dates back to 1889, though. That's yeah, when the club started. Nine. Of course. This is wild. It was a Willie Watson first. Willie Watson, yeah, Watson and yeah, Willie Watson, then Donald Ross. Yep. Wow. And, and then um, Tom Doak. Doak came in and redesigned um, some of the holes. And I know a while back, Tom Doak did his like favorite 18 holes. And one of the holes is in that favorite. It's the hole where it might be 12, the one where you tee off over the road. Okay. And then it's got that. You know, Great like the Golfers Journal was out there today, and there was a thing on Twitter about is there a better twelfth hole or whatever, you know, or, or where you tee off over a road or something. And I, was, and I replied, "Well, the tee shot is cool, but actually the second shot is really cool because the green you can't really see. There's a all you see is a big bunker, and then the green kind of goes down. I think I'm thinking of the right hole, aren't I? Yes, and, and actually, there's a ton of space between the bunker and the green. Yeah, there's it's a, very deceiving. It's very visually deceiving. Like it's yeah. a cool golf hole, really good golf hole, but." um yeah, White Bear's got tons of history. Uh, I think they, they kind of call it like the Augusta of Minnesota because you don't have a lot of flat lies. 
Uh, it's quirky. It's it's quirky. It's old. It's not long. F. Scott Fitzgerald supposedly wrote part of the yeah, big yeah, yeah, off, off a whole one. Yep. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty you boys are going to get poetic, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You so want to talk about uh, talk about a good redesigner, Ron Pritchard. Yeah, he's done some. He's done some work. He uh, he did uh, a Romanic, one yeah. that you'll love, Mike. I love uh, Ron. He did uh, Minicata. And oh, I love Minicata. He was the original designer of TPC Southland. Oh, God. Here we go. We'll oh, save, yeah. We'll save your TPC love for the end. Sneaking <laughs> that in, baby. Um, and then you guys have planned a little, a cute little trip um, down to the uh, Arizona Sun. So, do you guys want to talk a little bit about what you're planning on doing down there, where you're playing? Well, just sun tanning. Just sun tanning. Yeah, I, I Mike doesn't want to do 36 because it could be too hot. I will do. I'm not playing. Okay. First of all, I have never been one that's been shy away from playing a lot of golf, but I'm not fucking playing 36 holes, it's, three it's or four days in a row. But it's 140 degrees in the afternoon. 100, 100 degrees right now. <laughs> and it's going to be weeks later. It's going to be like 99 degrees. Play early morning and then like late twilight. Well, yes, well yeah, we'll, thank we'll you, do, we will do that. We'll do so. I'm sure we'll play at least one or two 36 old days. But uh, rumor rumor has it that the podcast may be playing Mirabelle, not too shabby, and maybe playing Silverleaf, not too shabby. That's just a rumor. It's a possibility. That's not well, confirmed yet. I heard if we keep asking about Asatcha, we're <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get on it because I think I've asked seventeen times. And, we're gonna uh, we're gonna our... reach out. We're, we're gonna do a heavy reach out on Instagram, see where else we can get on. But I think we may we may have the inside track to Mirabelle and Silverleaf, John Rom's home course. We'll see. I know Tim wants to get Wickenburg off of the list for his top hundred. Yep, it is. I'm guessing, it is I'm on guessing there. Wickenburg Ranch is probably a guarantee. We'll probably play that one for sure. 100 100%. And if we ask about Estancia 17 more times, not only will we drive Chris to insanity, we yeah. might get to play it. Uh, Estancia is the only one on my top 100 list, but from everything we've been told from Chris, it's almost impossible to get on there. But you never know. We're gonna, we'll probably reach out and ask. Well, we keep playing this logo bingo. And, and for those of, of you listening that don't know what it is, it is uh, anytime you really go on a golf vacation, maybe show up to a nice club. It's always nice to wear a logo from somewhere. And the more that you play, the more that you get a background in golf, the more logo bingo you know. So you know the elite places out there. And I think, Mike, what we just have to do is, is go back on some of your uh, eBay and uh, Goodwill knowledge and find some possible Estancia logos and just walk right in. We could do it or we could go the – I mean, see what you're saying is we shouldn't show up to like Whisper Rock – in the apparel I played in at Shamrock the other day, which was a t-shirt, a bucket hat, and sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you look like fear and loathing showing up. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, it sucks to get beat by a guy in a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't hello, know. Hello. I think, uh, yeah, well, basically it's an impromptu quick trip because we had some... You know, more than likely, it sounds like some free golf at some good clubs and uh, a free stay. So we're like, screw it. Let's go. We'll, be we'll beat the heat for cheap. Uh, it's cooler than Texas. But uh, it, many thanks to Chris if he's listening. Let's hope that he is to get our, our numbers yep. up. As we yep. always enjoy that. And uh, to Zach, who is providing some accommodations. Um, also, shout out to Toro. We're available for uh, sponsorship because we'll likely be renting a vehicle from you. 
and uh, to any one of the number of courses for sure, Wickenburg Ranch, because I have to get there. Got to do will, the list. I will say this: if anybody's listening out there that like knows the Arizona golf scene really well, we're we're still thinking we, we have no like set in stone courses. So if you got any hidden gems or anything, you you let us know. Give us a shout out on Instagram or something, and we'll uh, we'll see what we come up with. August seventeenth uh, through twentieth. So any would be home robbers, there is a house somewhere in Minnetonka <laughs> that will be empty. Um, if if you're really going to, if you're gonna, you know, swing by and make sure nobody's home and just light it on fire, please. That would that, <laughs> then I can then I can just then I can have a rebuild with the insurance money and not have to do all these damn projects that I've been doing twenty four seven for podcasts, years. We have lit. We haven't we haven't promoted arsony on here at all, but we have lit. <laughs> Possibly trees or chainsaw trees down, and now Mike's house is on fire. <laughs> oh God, it'd be great. I'm just I'm looking right now on my screen porch, which I have one ceiling panel up that I was gonna get all burning tears on that house, Mike. You don't want it. You don't want it burnt down. You've got too much equity built in that. I do have a lot of work in here, but I I had all these ceiling panels ready to go up in the screen porch. It's like the last thing I have to do to finish this damn thing. And then as I was getting ready to put them up that day, my lovely fiance, love you, honey. Uh, she's not she doesn't listen anyway uh she's like she's like she's like we should she said don't put those up because we got to get holes like you know and all the beams across the top for for electricals for lights and stuff i'm like it's a screen porch we don't need a bunch of lights in here so that got that got nicked and so i'm looking at ceiling panels resting up against the wall uh but yeah then we got then we come back we have one day off and then we had then we had the pod heads back on the road again yeah we, we do we do and we'll We'll cover a shout out to Landman and likely after our, our picks for um, TPC Southwind, uh, just because we're going to do a little bit of a local tie in Perfect. to the course there. So let's talk land, about golf. Land, Landman. Landman. Sorry. Hard, land, yeah. hard D at the end. Hard Mike D. corrects me all the time. All right, Mike, touch on a little bit of week of professional golf. Start with the women's open. All right. So um, the women's open, if you, so it's played at Mirfield epic course you know um it made a lot of news for it, it was one of the last the last probably rota course that was men only um so they had they they ended that a couple of years ago and they and now since they have women members they can have the open women played there um and ashley buhai i think it is or buhai she's from south africa one Shot a 64 on Saturday in the wind with a bogey on 18, um, which is is pretty crazy. She had a five-stroke lead going into the last round and ended up in a playoff. I think she shot 74, 75 in the last round, which was kind of like when you're a fairly unknown, you can kind of see that coming a little bit, you know? Like, like when was the last time in men's professional golf an unknown won a major? It's been a long time. Like yeah. Rich Be- Rich Beam at Rich Beam and Hazel team, Danny Willett is he? I mean, yeah, maybe a, yeah, yeah, Danny maybe a Danny Willett or uh, or Jimmy Walker won a PGA or Duffner, yeah, you know, but like, like it's been. I mean, Danny Willett was what 2016 maybe or something like that. It's been a while, you know. Majors are usually won by, you know, big name players. She has like, she's played some PGA Tour events. Like I think she has two top tens on the year in a PGA Tour event, but like. You know, it's a relative unknown, but the the crazier thing to me was what a shit show of a setup, though. Come on, RNA, do better. They had a four-hole playoff, and all four holes were 18. They just kept playing 18 over and over and over again. An hour and a half of just playing 18. 
was it, it like okay, an hour so and a half. Was it one whole playoff or was it aggregate full? 18? One no, they did a one whole playoff. Okay, that's what yeah, I thought. But, okay. Yeah, the men, the men's does the aggregate, you know. Yeah. Um, they did a one whole playoff, but they never switched holes, so they kept playing eighteen over and over and over again. So they played it four times, and on the fourth try, she had an awesome. If you saw it on social media or something, she had an awesome bunker shot. She was in that left bunker that's like got the crazy like island in the middle of it. And she was back behind the island and hit like three feet and made a par putt. And the other person, other lady bogeyed. Uh, so she won in the fourth playoff. But then the funny thing was her husband, who has, who rumor has it was like, had been drinking for, for a couple hours, was pretty drunk, came running out there before she could even like hug her caddy. She, her husband's just right there, like all over. Her. I mean, he's a professional caddy for uh, Jin Lee Six, I think is her name or something like that. But he should, um, he should know to just wait and just give it a would, second. He would think, but he was, you know, he's plastered, I think. And, you know, she just won like a million dollars. So I'm sure, was, I'm sure he was excited. You know? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I don't know about you guys, but if 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 my fiance here, if she won a million dollars somewhere and she probably would, wouldn't even hug me, she'd be like, fuck you. I'm done. I'm single again. <laughs> I'm on. I got what I need. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I just thought it was really cool. They played at Muirfield. And if you, I watched a little bit of it. I didn't watch a ton of it, but Muirfield's awesome. Well, the P, is there anything oh, PGA Tour, right? That's it. Was anything else on the agenda? We'll go to PGA Tour. Yeah, Wyndham. Okay. Well, the PGA Tour was in Greensboro, North Carolina, for the Wyndham Championship, um, which is, a, I believe, the final event before the playoffs that are starting this week. Um, mm-hmm. June, uh, how do you pronounce his real name? Now, I call him Tom because it's much easier to say Tom Kim. But is it June Hung Kim? No idea. I go with Tom. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to butcher it. But the twenty-year-old. I mean, twenty years old. He actually has nine professional wins. I saw, and and not only one in, on the PGA Tour, but most coming in the Asian and Korean Tour. At a tw- as a twenty-year-old, I think he turned pro as an eighteen-year-old. It's pretty impressive. So he's won. It's just not on the not on the PGA Tour until now. So he's going to the live. He's going to live now. I bet uh, he doesn't. I mean, oh, he's going not right not right away. He's he's going to be on the Presidents Cup team. What a what a monumental leap from nobody in the last like <laughs> month to being in the Presidents Cup team. Um, you know how he got you know how he got the name Tom, don't you? I don't. He, have you seen his wedges? No, they're all they're all stamped with Thomas the uh, train? the train the train. I guess no he was way. Kid. When he was a little kid, he loved Thomas the train engine ever so much. They started calling him Tom. <laughs> That's so, sick. His his that wedges have Thomas the train engine stamped on them. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's why he's called Tom. I didn't think that would be an international cartoon. Yeah, it must be. I don't know. I well, I love the fact, I, I love the fact that he spotted four four shots of the field right off the first right off the bat. Zero penalty strokes, by the way. It was just an all disaster first hole. Yeah, um, he went like long and then had a bad chip and, chips yeah. and yeah, three putted probably. So he ended up getting a quadruple bogey in the first hole. And then he bounces back to make seven birdies after that to finish at three under after the round one. That is this sounds really familiar. This sounds like the sewer all over again. It does sound like the sewer. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> Him and I are very similar, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. similar games. <laughs> so, in um, you know, he he's been playing kind of sneaky well. I think he had two two top tens in the last four. So this would make you know another top ten. So three top tens in the last five events. So we have been playing well coming in. He locked up his tour card last week. At the week before, actually, got second place. Yeah, his jump. I thought I thought him winning this week also kicked out another guy too. You know, it's yeah. from the from I saw. So so winning was kind of a you know some other guys were probably cheering for Sunjay because they they 
Um, we're going to get booted out. But anyways, he closed it down, wins by five shots. I mean, I, I just can't I can't imagine being four over through one hole and then finishing at 20 under. It's just the, the amount of golf, the amount of level of golf you have to play to get to that is just insane. Now, he putted lights out. I think, Mike, you have the stats on that. Yeah, I don't have any. I don't have any historical proof of this, but his his strokes gain putting for the week was plus twelve point two. So, <laughs> so, so I'm assuming even with a quadruple bogey, if you are if you're putting, you know, twelve strokes better than the field, uh, you're going to win or do or have a very good chance to win. So that, that can't be a real stat. Yes, it is twelve point two strokes gain putting. That's, That's unbelievable. What, his, okay, what was, grip? He was what grip was he using? <laughs> I don't know. He was forty fourth tee to green. He didn't even. And the thing is with him, I think. I was thinking about this before the podcast. I think he's not necessarily known as a great putter. He's known as a really good ball striker. Like his yeah, game suits his game suits a lot of golf courses. And I think he's going to be a guy that if he stays in the PGA Tour, does new liver ever, he's going to make an ass load of money because he's he's going to be one of those guys that I bet you rarely misses a cut because he just hits it so good. It's just going to depend on how he puts, and he must have had the hot. He had a hot putter apparently because he was forty fourth in tee to green strokes gain. So it wasn't like he was lights out hitting the ball. He was just rolling the rock, man. He had well, he shot twenty seven on the front nine on Sunday. <laughs> insane, just insane. It. it was the uh, tied for the was it the second lowest nine hole score ever in PGA Tour history or something like that. Ooh, he wraps the index finger pretty low. It's there's some separation in the rest of his yeah. grip. I'm, I'm, I'm something. Tim, I'm I'm guessing that Tom Kim has not been afraid to try something different when it comes to putting at some point in his life. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll hold my comments. Does <laughs> um, the course does 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 uh you know does the course do much for you guys? I, I don't know. I just I didn't get I don't get a thrill watching. The course did zero. Does pretty much zero for me. That's yeah. Rough. I mean, even with even with as much history as it has as a Ross, it just there wasn't yeah. much. Kind of lax, lax a little you know, bit. I think I think a lot of the Donald Ross golf courses, um, you know, you don't. I the thing is, I've I've railed on this before, is I wish, and I I really wish if if Liv keeps going and they have that they have that lawsuit tomorrow, you know, that, that they're going to go into, um, that interesting. If Liv kept going and it becomes a real deal thing, and somehow they get paired together, I wish they would host more events. If you want really good fields like the Genesis on like at Riviera on, on intriguing golf courses, because like the last two weeks, um, the Rocket Mortgage in Detroit and the Wyndham in Greensboro, they're both old classic Donald Ross golf courses. But Donald Ross golf courses are good. Uh, great designer, you know, top name of all time, but they're not that great for TV. I don't feel like, you know, a lot of the green complexes are hard, but they're not. There's not a lot of dramatic bunkering or things like that on a Donald Ross golf course. See, I, I don't, it's nice to see the new courses, but I want some intriguing gameplay. I want to see like Baladas and Hickory. I want to see <laughs> um, Stableford, you know, I want to, I want to see some weird alternate shot, you know, something that really mixes it up and makes it different. Harken back to the age of old where they used to really mix up tournaments through the twenties, thirties, fifties, and and really have some interesting team play back then. I mean, guys were winning tournaments as as pairs back through the fifties. I wish they do it in the fall. Do it in the fall. The fall. Yeah, I mean, no one's we'll watching talk, in the fall. Yeah, we'll it, talk about that. We'll talk about some FedEx. No we'll talk about some, yeah, true. No one's watching the fall. We'll talk about the FedEx standings, and we'll talk about fall golf with Nick Watney in a second because I pulled up some stuff on him. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just the, there's just a um, 
there's certain golf courses that are great for TV and certain ones aren't. And I just, the last couple are like, man, that's kind of blah, not much. I don't even know. Southwind will be okay this week because it's got water. It's got some water and stuff on it. Um, that that is TV, the most praise you've ever had for a TPC. Mm-hmm. Well, like, like, okay, look at the last three weeks on tour. You got Detroit or you got Wyndham, Detroit and 3M. Well, 3M I, would, I would argue that on, for TV wise, the 3M, 3M is the best of the three just because it's got water and you got some things where, like visually you're seeing the ball go over and, and it looks like there's a lot of hazard and there was a lot of balls went to the water 3M well these last two courses you know an old Don Rosh that you know the, the difficulty is kind of the greens and they're you know and, but on TV you don't really well the thing it about it Ross doesn't bring, it, doesn't, it doesn't bring out the brilliance of a Don Ross TV doesn't the do thing it about Ross too I mean Pinehurst number two is a bit of an error right they just kept overseeding and sanding yeah. the greens and the the turtleback shape that they ended up with Pinehurst number two that makes it so difficult was a little bit of a whoops yeah right yeah yeah and I just think yeah I don't know for whatever reason they don't they're not the greatest for tv you know they're visually not that beautiful compared to a lot of you know designers uh-huh. they're they're really good they're usually pretty difficult they're just not visually striking I guess is would be a good way to put it but, well, now yeah. we got our top 125. So, you know, the cutoff has been made. Boy, Ricky's Ricky. at 125. Ricky. <laughs> what, so, how about this, though? What I wonder. Okay, the live, live lawsuit is tomorrow, which probably today for when I put the pod, when the pot, you listen to the podcast, possibly. If those players get an injunction or whatever and can play. Uh, is the PGA Tour going to just say, okay, we're going to take like, because I think it's only three guys that are trying to play the FedEx, right? Taylor Gooch and somebody, it's like Swafford, three guys. Hudson Swafford and somebody else. Um, are they just going to say, okay, we're taking 128 then? Or or do those, do, do the, does Ricky Fowler get booted out? Uh, how I, are they going to do that? I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm sure Ricky Fowler could probably find a State Farm commercial to be in. <laughs> I'm sure. I I would guess that they let them all have all 128. Yeah. I mean, it seems like those guys have lied because it because they're saying they never received information that they and, and and PJ said, yeah, we sent it all out. Like you you got this. I mean, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they what they come up with. It probably still won't matter on the lawsuit. Do you know what what circuit it's coming out of? It's coming out of liberal or conservative circuit. I have no idea where it's where it's at. I, all I know is, um, ooh, I bet it's the, Florida. The oh. interesting, the interesting thing is, the live guys have Saudi Arabia paying all the legal fees and everything for this whole big deal, and the PGA Tour that money's coming out of the players' pocket unless they have a, unless they have a fund or something, you, you know, set up a fund set up for I don't know. It's because that's that's the that's kind of the crazy thing about this whole deal to me is you got guys like Taylor Gooch who are pretty young uh, who are now suing fellow or former fellow PGA tour players. If they're allowed back in, that could be an interesting locker room or interesting yeah. out there. Like, cause they're not suing like the PGA tour. You're not suing an owner. You're suing the players. It's a member, you know, run deal. Uh, so that's kind of wild. Yeah. I don't know, but the, the whole yeah. FedEx. Okay. Let's talk about the FedEx cup here and the PGA okay. tour. So, at the at the Wyndham Championship, I thought one of the fucking just stupid PGA Tour does some stupid stuff. Ben, what the hell was that guy's name? He got fourth place. Um, Griffin. 
Ben Griffin, who's a corn fairy player most of the year, top five, like corn fairy guy, going to be on the PGA Tour next year for sure. So he was able to play. He was able to play, you know, in the wind. I mean, not have to worry about keeping his or getting his corn card from the corn fairy. He's going to do it anyway. He got fourth place. Um, and I think the PGA Tour has so many guys that play, you know, like, uh, what's the guy we ragged about in the Canadian Open? John Houston, who's like 63 years old. He's played multiple tour events. Those Corn Ferry guys who are good players, Ben Griffin got fourth place, should have more opportunity to play on the PGA Tour throughout the year and not in the fall. The fall is bullshit. And, and I think the whole point system is kind of bullshit because Nick Watney, I looked it up today, Nick Watney is still somehow in the top 125. That shows you how fall Ricky Fowler's fallen. Nick Watney's 120 and Ricky Fowler's 125. Nick Watney, um, you know, nobody's really heard of him since like the mid 2010s or something, 2010. He has made one cut. No. Yes, one cut, which was the Rocket Mortgage, since the Players' Championship, which was March 10th. He's made one cut since March 10th, and he's still in somehow. He's missed 13 of the last 14 events he's played. That's He got a T-second. He had second place at the Sanderson Farms, which was like a fall event last fall. He has done jack shit for months and months and months, and he's still somehow in the top 125. That's so messed up to me. I've got some updates. They are going through the Northern California circuit for some reason uh, for the live lawsuit, which, which seems weird. Do you think you'd bring it local to the PGA based out of Florida? Um, and it's, it's a bunch of Obama and Biden appointed judges. So that's, that's kind of an interesting, interesting route for antitrust, I think. Yeah. Well, I don't know. When it comes to antitrust stuff, so much is in the details of how, things are um, like how the PGA tour is run that I don't know. I don't know how it all works behind the scenes. Cause um, all right. Yeah. I don't even know how you, yeah, yeah that, that feels wild though. Northern Cali out of all of those. I wonder if someone is Phil based out of Cali. Um, Cause you'd think you'd bring it local to like Florida and try to get some of the, the Florida. Yeah. Phil lives in California. Yeah. Um, but it's not just Phil. It's a bunch of guys. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Idea. I have no idea how it's, how it's going to all, uh, work out. Cause I mean, you don't see a ton of antitrust la- lawsuits. Really, You really don't. It's like, well, not since the good old days. Yeah. Since mon- the days of monopolies, you know, with oil and standard oil and everything, which is, you know, a hundred years ago. So I don't know. It's kind of a crazy thing. As Mike would say back when golf courses were good. Yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> I want to bring up a point too. This is just kind of going off the the live in the, you know, one of the things we see every, every year at at this week is you see the emotional guy that does, you know, gets 126th, 127th, 128th, you know, whether it's a a three putt on eight, you know, on the 18th hole or something, you, you see that raw emotion, you know, you get that because they, they don't have a, you know, they'll still get to play tournaments in the following year, but they just don't have that, that card locked up. And I think that's one thing that the live does not provide yet, you know, and as a fan, you know, we get attached to emotion. We get attached to care. We get attached to success and failure. You know, that's kind of the part of a fan that you get attracted to. And so being able to see these interviews with these guys that literally break down and cannot speak, they cannot even form a sentence. 
that I don't know, that's pretty powerful to me. You know, that's yeah, what they don't wow. show it. They don't show it enough, though. I mean, it, well, they, you see that. Had... Yeah, you see it on on social media. But I mean, if you don't, you know, if you don't have that, you may not see that that kind of stuff. But Lau, you're talking about Lauer. Lauer three point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not at the end of the season? You know, not that it's good for the the temperament of the guys that are going through it. But goodness, that is that is high class. You know, showbiz right there to to have a cut line and and watch people move up and down in front of it about their their tour card. And maybe talk a little bit about what it means. I mean, is it is it great for the families of the players that are going through it? Absolutely not. Well, but is it is it good for fan viewership to know that there's livelihood on the line um, in a straight drive off of eighteen and a, a well hit approach? Absolutely. That's what that's what the live has failed to capture in three events. Any well, kind no, of emotion. But, but the tour doesn't capture that either. The tour doesn't doesn't bring that to the forefront when they could. I mean, it's, it's as important for, you know, a, a Callum Terran to make the cut in, you know, the last few ones leading up to a success over the last two, three, as it is for, you know, Tony Finau to win his second in a row. Uh, they I, did, they did a pretty good job this week. Like Lauer was all over the social media. That was everywhere. And I think Max McGreevy, who had a really high finish, got in the top 125. He, that was everywhere. Um, they don't maybe do, they don't maybe do enough at the rest of the year, but like yeah, but nobody's the, really caring about one twenty five and yeah, you know, exactly. Number, but nobody cares. I think that's but where, there's like, so much drama there. There's 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 like a livelihood that's around, you know, being a part of of that and and continuing with the dream. So far, to me, and we talked about we talked about this endlessly. It sounds like this the live shit, but it's going to be your stay. Without getting too far into it. So far, like I said last week, they've had three events. I've watched the first two. I didn't watch. I watched some of the last one, but the intrigue is all the is all the other stuff. The intrigue is not the golf at all. It's been really boring and bland and not very fun. They have all this manufactured noise with music up by the clubhouses because there's nobody there. It it the the fun is is all in like the controversy is all the controversy. That's that's the intrigue to me at least. Of lives so far. Now going forward, I'm sure they're gonna, um, you know, probably be around next year. They're planning 14 events, so they're gonna have to do something. They can't keep, you can't have no viewership on YouTube and nobody there in person and keep going. I, I guess you can because you have endless money, but like, holy shit, there's no, there's no interest in the actual golf yet. Well, they gotta start doing Monday qualifiers to get into the live events. Yeah, they have a pot of more than 48 guys. I mean, what's their pot? 70. Yeah, the guys. Did you realize the guys that don't play still get 120 grand? I I thought I saw that. That that's so, just absurd. It's so Ogletree. Uh, was, so Ogletree, who was back in at Bedminster, set out a week and he still got well, paid. I, don't even want to play. I mean, I I guess he played because he loved the game, but like if I, I mean, he's not doing anything. I'm just collecting money. Yeah, I'm mean, performing one bit. The other thing that's kind of weird is like like uh, Lauer, you know, who was who was very emotional because he missed by that basically the three putt cost him. If he two putts, he's in. Um, he's he's not fully out of the PGA Tour. He has part. He he gets eighteen starts next year for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's for guaranteed. Sure. I mean, he's guaranteed eighteen PGA Tour starts. Plus, he's also guaranteed to skip. I think a lot of the corn fairy stuff and to basically go right to corn fairy. So he gets to play. He just doesn't have the full boat of of events there. They do. I don't know the it. They do. To me, like why would put let him play next year instead of Nick Watney? Nick Wani hasn't done shit forever. Like Nick Wani, who was actually had really good at like 2010. He was, yeah. he was on a, he was on a Ryder Cup team. 
they they gotta not. they gotta give you know less points. I mean, uh, you know, obviously you want guys that are playing better as of now being able to make it. But I mean, I guess at, at the current way, Nitwani earned it. I mean, but but the points, the way they distribute them, need to be fixed a little bit. But they they have their own catch twenty two. The PGA Tour does because it's member driven. So you have to try to appease the older players, you know, like Nick Watney to keep them in. Yet at the same time, how do you do? How do you appease them and have a path for more exciting younger players to come and play? Because there's a bunch of guys like uh, Pearson Pearson Cootie who's been pretty hot on the Corn Ferry Tour. You know, I'm sure Liv's offered him a bunch of money. Actually, he said they did, and he turned it down. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they should, they should have a chip off, you know? Yeah. Scorecard playoffs like our match play. Bring events. back, bring back, uh, what, what that show, um, The Big Break. Let's bring that back. Oh, I love solid show. Let's, let's yeah. earn that spot. I love The Big Break. Um, and the other thing that the, the FedEx Cup is now trying to do is they're trying to add a bunch more money. Like, that's the thing for next year. You know, Liv, the one thing that Liv has done is they've, you know, made the PGA Tour realize that they got to kick up the, the funds. They can't just continue to pay what they're paying. So now next year, going into 2022-23, they're kicking up substantially the amount of money that's going to be in the FedEx Cup. You know, and, and maybe that's – is that enough to keep some of these guys, you know, to not jump to live? Who knows? But, you know, they're trying their best to hang on tight – as of right now, have you guys seen the international team for the President's Cup? Yeah, those guys are still on it. You know, yeah. uh Cam yeah, Smith it, and Hideki. Yeah. I mean, and if they keep that, I don't think I don't think they have a chance against USA, but at least there's some fun players in that, right? Cam yeah, Smith, I, I would yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me at all if if some of those guys like Hideki for sure, maybe Cam Smith, have already signed some sort of live deal, but it doesn't go into effect till after the president's cup. They're, they're going to play the FedEx and play the president's cup. And then for next year, you know, jump over. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a, I, it's a fascinating time for golf. It's also kind of, I still, I still will say it's shitty for watching because you have, you have, you're going to have two diluted tours. Um, At the end of the day, if, if live gets their way, a bunch more guys will go, obviously, because they're going to pay a bunch of money. And then you have two watered down products. Uh, I, I don't know. It it, it, is ne- it is it is it has never worked. I guess maybe it works in soccer, but like in the United States, in professional sports, it has never worked to have two competing, you know, top tier leagues in any of those sports. Basketball had the ABA and the NBA back in the day one folded or they got absorbed. The NFL has tried multiple other football leagues, USFL, XFL, baseball. None of, none of them have been able to function because people want to see all of the best players in one spot. If possible, playing against the best players. That's yeah. But as of right now, even like, I mean, like, I don't think live has enough of the juice to, you know, to, to get somebody to think, you know, yeah, you got DJ and you got a couple of guys that are, you know, okay, but there's a lot of guys that are just not, you know, playing great or, or, or past their primes. But if they start getting the, the, the good players and you start getting the Cam Smiths and the guys like that, then, then things are going to change. But right now I think the PGA tour is in a decent spot until some of these upper echelon guys decide to go, then they're going to be backpedaling and have to really, Relook at what they need to do. So da- I don't, they're hanging in there right now, in my opinion. They're hanging. And, old, out. and Davis Love the Third made some waves this week when he yeah. basically said that they're just going to band together and 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 boycott the majors, all the players in the PGA Tour. Yeah, 
which would then wreck golf because who wants to see uh yeah. you know as much as we want to see our guy Saddam at the US at the open get 12th <laughs> place, you know, and who wants to see Patrick Reed cheating versus Bryson Slow play at a major? Oh, okay. Yippee. Um All right. yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be an ongoing saga, I'm sure. All right. Well, we head to the FedEx St. Jude. It's the first round of the FedEx playoffs. It's at TPC Southwind in Memphis, Tennessee. I believe it replaced the Northern Trust from last year. Uh, it's firm, fast Bermuda greens. I think it's got some Pinot Bermuda rough, some a little bit of water. We haven't seen water in the last couple of weeks. Par seventy with only two two par fives. Um, so anything else? I know you guys got a little bit of I th- course. <laughs> They're still calling it the Northern Trust, I believe, right? It's just they changed golf courses. Okay, so it's still okay. I, I... they're at because uh, TPC Southwind used to be. No, this is the FedEx St. Jude. Yeah, Are you sure? St. Jude. Yeah, so yeah. it's not, not the Northern Trust anymore. Yeah, is this the is this the FedEx FedEx Abbott or is it the FedEx St. Jude Hospital? I I never I never oh, got it right. St. Jude Hospital, like there's the donation. Oh, okay, interesting. I'm looking up. I'm looking up the PGA Tour right now. I, I Googled PGA Tour schedule on my phone, and it says August 11th through 14th, 2022, the Northern Trust at TPC Southwind. It says FedEx St. Jude all over my thing. I don't know what you're looking at. I, I literally have the FedEx St. Jude pulled up with a, a photo of Cam Smith, who all right. I'd yeah, love whatever. to pick, but I just I don't feel like I don't feel like Aussies are that much into blues music. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, it's TPC South. Like people, people will recognize cause they had a WGC event there in Memphis at a bunch of years at Southwind. So it's actually a pretty tough golf course. gets windy. I believe too. Daniel Berger's favorite golf course, but there's uh yeah. And he's hurt. I think right now, isn't he still? Yeah, I don't think he's playing, but he, he loves to win on this golf course. They, uh, the, I was looking, they're predicting not much win Thursday, Friday. So it's going to yeah, be pretty I, I, you should pick him though, Jeff, because I have Daniel Berger right here as <laughs> out with back issues. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, hold on, though. Hold on. Give him a little Advil. Give him a few booze. Mike, Mike, really yeah, Mike should pick him. Give him a bite. <laughs> in, I guess. <laughs> All right. Anything else from the course, Tim? You got something? Uh, no, but the podcast does not condone the the use of um, opioid medications uh, <laughs> outside of prescription usage. Should be your doctor. I agree. Nor off-label usage of any medication. I'm pretty sure I can get Advil over the counter. I'm pretty sure I can get Advil over the counter. I'm telling you, man, there's a diminishing return after like four to six hundred milligrams of of what you're doing. Uh, Well, I'm no doctor. Yeah, I don't know. But he'll take a look at it. (laughs) Yeah, somebody somebody (laughs) can study my kidneys one of these years when I'm long when I'm long gone after the. uh, I think I took. Hmm. Well, let's see. It's 11, 18 p.m. right now. And I took, I think, at least 12, at least a dozen Advil today. That's aggressive. Uh, before we We're hitting to... into Brett Favre territory here. Mike. Yeah, well, not, not like I don't take Advil every day. Uh, I just did it because I was trying to golf today. I was trying to, I was trying to make it out there and make a functional golf swing, which didn't happen. I, was, I kept telling Tim in the car, I, was, I have not felt good on a single swing the entire round. Um oh. But now we're going to have a rest day tomorrow, Jeff. So we can try to get ready for our big matchup. All right. Wednesday. I love it. Rest your back. Uh, All right, let's get the picks. Um, South, yeah, Southwind is, is – I think it's kind of like uh, – there's a lot of shades of, like, TPC Twin Cities, you know, from people that are around here. There's a lot of water, a lot of water holes, right, Tim? 
Yeah, decent amount of water holes. Uh, the greens average just over 4,300 square feet. So distance off the tee really plays up. Um, and then a dry summer really uh, favors the long ball hitter here. So um, the rough can't can't help but uh, to be a, more than a little bit forgiving this year. Well, yeah. you, you have the Bermuda, you know hitting on Bermuda versus the the thick uh, whatever grass that you know Detroit Minnesota have, which is not Bermuda, but yeah, they uh well looking at the previous winners of the WGC event, Dustin Johnson won twice. I think Bryson might have won once. Um, a lot of longer yeah, than Patrick Reed, Patrick, Patrick Reed won once. He's not a long hitter. Yeah, so I don't know. Well, I I got to bring this up. Uh, I did win last week. I picked Sanjay. Sanjay took second, so that gets me another W. That means I'm at five, Tim's at five, Mike's at seven. Uh, it's getting kind of intense. As the Not only is the playoff getting intense, we're getting intense in our picks. We're getting – the gap is closing, and I can feel Mike – Mike's going to start making more less uh, reaching picks. I think he's going to start looking at the number one through three, four players. We'll All see right, so listen, let's, let's be clear here. I've been reaching since day one of these picks. <laughs> I have no problem. I have no problem going deep down the list of players to pick, make a pick. But I do want to point out that um, unless unless we go into the fucking fall season with the Zaza and the Zuzus and all the other tournaments that don't make any oh sense, um, there are only three events left that I'm up by two. And I don't know what we're gonna do. And we're gonna cut it off. I don't care. I'll, I'll play along. I'll play along. We'll find somebody. To, we'll find somebody that's in the Sanderson Farms to pick. But uh, but I, I feel like if I win this week, she's basically over. But uh, yeah, you know, I got I got a little bit of a thoroughbred this week, um, <laughs> ready to rock and roll. Well, Tim, I think you had you had a guy. That, well, no, you you everybody made the cut last week. Yeah, well, no, uh, I, I shaking that ass. Um, he would WD WD Mike, you WD today. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I did WD today for the first time in a long time. I just said fuck this. And you did pull the Hideki, the pull the Hideki, pull the Hideki on eighteen. Yeah, he got he got the bigger contract. He felt like White Bear was his his larger his larger money deal, yeah. so he left. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I I picked the wrong the wrong horse out of the thoroughbreds to to definitely win, and I watched that leaderboard. Oh God, most of the weekend just thought my horse is not in that race. Yeah. Um, but with that. You know, picking a guy feels like if any one of them were going to Memphis, right? Kind of the uh, the center of uh, blues, not not jazz, but blues. A little bit of rock and roll to this place, and nothing speaks rock and roll like not quite matching black outfits. So I thought, I thought you were gonna say blues. I, I was gonna say Lauer's Lauer's not in the field. He three putted. No, 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 no. I'm picking a guy that can't match, match blacks, you know, you know, a little, little bit of fashion, but I feel like, I feel like Patrick Cantlay would sit at the back of a blues club and just vibe it out. I don't know why I just have that feeling. Um, he's decently long off the tee. He's got good, good accuracy and a great short game. So even if the rough grows up a little bit around those greens, cause they're, they're getting uh, a little bit more water than the rest of the course. I think he's well suited for this. And he hasn't had a win in a while. But since Memorial, he's gone T3, T14, T13, T4, T8, T2. And I don't necessarily have to squeak out a win. I just have to beat you two, um, which I 
pray to God I can. I don't, I don't, I don't know what real is anymore, but, uh, uh, going with Cantley in Memphis. Okay. Before we get to my picks, let's talk about Patrick Cantley, uh, the shitty dresser that he is, but, um, I already addressed that. First of all, yeah, he has played well, but the one, you know, what all, you know what most of those events have in common. They're all events where guys shoot 25 under, which he's always good at. This is not one of those events. It's a tough golf. It's a pretty tough golf course. Now it's not going to be windy the first two days, which makes a big difference. I will say that didn't Kelly, is he the defending FedEx Cup champ? Did he win last year? Or was that two years ago? Yeah, last year, he was lights he's out. Your he's your defending Potter. FedEx Cup champ. So maybe there's something to it. But um, Thank you. Okay. Uh, TPC Southland. Extreme, not, not, ver- not small greens. Extremely small greens for PGA Tour standards. So you're going to have to have an exacting ball striker here. Not even done. And the one thing about really small greens, I think that people forget is you don't have to be a great putter. If you're a good ball striker there, because if you're a good ball striker and the greens are already small, the proximity to the hole is going to be, you know, pretty decent. So God, you, I go not- so low here. So <laughs> yeah. Low. So Tim, Tim like would light it fours. up. Um, but uh, I really, I really thought I'll pick Justin Thomas. Because in 2020, he won the WGC event there. In 2019, he got T12. So he likes that golf course. Um, but we're not going to. Um, and four of the last five winners of at this golf course had the week off before, before their event. But I'm going to buck that trend. My guy played last week in Greensboro. Coming off a... Uh, unique situation where he fired his caddy halfway through the tournament said screw this not good enough and he's a big game hunter and this is a big time event now we're into the fast cup time and that's my boy will zalatoris who's a ball striker machine just a ball striking machine on a ball strikers golf course he's gonna and if we're good and if we're gonna go with three events left willie's gonna get me maybe his first tour win to put me over the top to close this thing out this year boys when I'm a bit worried you about how many first. kids you've adopted. Uh, how, how, yeah, I was just going to ask, how, how is he your boy, too, now, all of a sudden? Uh, he's not really my boy. The, but... entire, the entire tour is your boy at this point. No, 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 no. I only have three. I got okay. Well, I got my two classics, JT and Rory, always my guys. What? And no, my new, and that's my new adopted son this year. Oh, my God. You know? Uh, Zalator is only my boy this week. We're just gonna go one week, a one week, a one you. week wonder for me. Jesus well, Christ! Just buying a used car and returning it. I, I say I'm I'm actually gonna say exactly what Mike. I mean, I think this is JT's week. Um, I think a lot of guys have been grinding, and I, I think it's a well rested guy. Got a chance to kind of you know, got hungry to compete. You know, he has he's kind of probably hungry to get out there. It's a tougher course, like you said, he plays tough courses pretty well for the most part. Um. You know, he had, like I said, he hasn't been grinding. He's just ready to, to kind of make a bunch of money here at the last three weeks. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with JT. He's man at this. I, you know, I think I don't. Has it been different golf courses in this particular tournament? Uh, JT's JT's uh, finishes were both at this golf course in the WGC. Okay, Same well, this the FedEx St. Jude. If it's is it always been at TP at this course? No, they've moved it around in Memphis. Oh, well, they've moved it around in Memphis, like other Memphis courses. Yeah, it's always in the FedEx St. Jude is always Memphis. That's the home of FedEx. But they but they they've had other courses. Anyways, yeah. he plays well in Memphis because he's gotten 16th, 10th, 6th, 8th, 12th, 49th and 4th. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't have a win, but he definitely has the uh, 
the game, I think, to compete this week. So I'm mm. going JT. I like the guy. That's one of my favorite players anyway. So I'm, I'm kind of going to the pick a talented guy that you like to re- root for. It is kind of hard to pick this yeah. week because you're right. A lot of guys, have, a bunch of guys that haven't played since the Open. Yeah. So it's, been, it's been a while. Like, you know, I don't even know. Like, like it, it seems crazy to me that Scotty Scheffler is still one in the world and nobody's talked about him for like ever because he kind of, he laid an egg at the last round of the, uh, the open. of the of the open but he you know i wouldn't surprise me if he wins a, a big a part of me really wanted to pick john rom he you know just because he has done nothing like all year it would not shock me if all of a sudden he said you know he comes into the fedex cup playoffs and just tears goes on a tear or something and wins or more you know like, yeah somebody you know i don't know all right let's uh let's close this baby up tim do you have something you want to Wrap up. Do I ever? I got to mix back in to how we opened on the Crystal Skull. Indiana Jones. (laughs) Well, no, it's the Break 80 Boys and the the Mystery of the Crystal Skull. And that Crystal Skull comes from the very top of the Bass Pro Shop and a conspiracy theory that only Scott Piercy would would really enjoy. (laughs) Uh, The Q followers. but the, the story goes that, and it, it's actually true, that whoever originally owned the, what would become, um, gosh, what is, is it the Memphis Grizzlies? You're talking about, you're talking about the pyramid, right? In Memphis, they're the yeah, pyramid. The pyramid. Yeah, the pyramid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that the Grizzlies that were there? Yeah. That's, their, that's yeah. the stadium where the college team plays some, too, in the University of Memphis. Yep. Yeah. So before, before it turned to the Bass Pro Shop, it was, it was the site of the Memphis Grizzlies. And whoever the owner was of that space put a crystal skull in the very top. So it was this, this whole big thing. Is this godly? Is it not godly? Here nor there, it actually existed. So here is this crystal skull. And many people stood outside of it for a massive conspiracy theory. I thought, maybe, I, thought maybe, I thought maybe you're going to go into the Indiana Jones, Shia LaBeouf, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. Or it was a terrible flop that just destroyed the Indiana Jones legacy. I mean, I, well, he, he hasn't produced too many great movies for the last 10 years. But here, here nor there, if you are going to Memphis on a golf trip, would still highly recommend the hotel because that entire pyramid has started to do a Bass Pro Shop. And you can get rooms starting at $319 a night. And they are gorgeous. And you sit above a lofted balcony over the top of a massive Bass Pro Shop. And I'm talking like aquariums, <laughs> indoor Hold fishing. On. You don't so get a great... You know, we're, not talking, we're not talking about a... We're not talking about a, you know, a view of the river... We're talking about a bunch of rednecks shopping for fishing lures. No, 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 no. There's an above atrium area with a beautiful, beautiful restaurant uh, with a bar that over, does overlook the river. Um, I'd, I'd probably actually prefer the uh, Bass Pro Shop over the river, to be honest. But uh, a dirty river, actually. Yeah. It, it, see, you get it. Um, but if you're there, there are a couple public. So there's a. Uh, Miramichi Golf, there's Links at Galloway, there's Quail Ridge, but the one I wanted to focus on was Overton Park 9, which is a uh, municipal golf course there in uh, in the city, um, which was actually redone by King Collins Golf Design. So this little nine-holder measures pretty short, 2,300 yards, with absolutely beautiful, rugged bunkering and wild green complexes. Which I thought, as we talked about Memphis, about the uh, 
upcoming tour stop, but also about our own stop would fit in very nicely uh, because the boys are going to Landman here, what, August 23rd? Yeah, we get to play it ten, like 10 days before they open. It's going to be sweet. So I figured it'd be a, a homage to where they're going right now compared to where we're going in just what about Couple weeks. 10, 15 days. The, uh, the landman version of the classic famed Sitwell green that they're going to have just gets a tingling in my loins. Just, just thinking about, just thinking about it. It's going to be epic. Well, I won't be sharing my $319 hotel room with you then. <laughs> There's so much tingling going on. <laughs> Well, anything else, boys? Are we are we capped tonight? Yeah, shout it, out to the women, that... shout out to the USGA Women's Am at Chambers Bay. Love that place. One okay. of the, fav- yeah, one of the favorite courses I've ever played. With a tingling. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thanks, listeners. We've made it all the way to this point. We appreciate it. Um, we're we're going to continue to try to to give you the best uh, stuff that whatever we know how to talk about, talk about. But we are uh, definitely a rambling bunch, and we like to talk golf. So also reach out like we like we have had a couple listeners tell us a couple certain topics that have been really good so anytime that you think of something that would be good to talk about if you're if you're listening and you can listen to it give us those ideas like it's fun especially now as we're getting to the point where golf is just not you know we have the fedex playoffs but we don't have any more majors and once we get through that we have a lot of you know topics that we'll have to kind of fill our time with so if you think of anything give us a shout out so other than that, I guess it's uh, time to get some rest and uh, get ready for the week that is. All right. Yeah. Make sure to follow us and subscribe or whatever you do on Spotify and Apple to the podcast. Yep. Subscribe and pray for Mike's back. We'll, we'll, be, re- we'll be ready for Wednesday. Don't worry, Jeff. We'll be ready. Maybe today's the day I brigade these. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold G. Well, you hit it on one. Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80.